This is exactly right. The, the secret to being an entrepreneur is not the ideal. Everybody has ideas. The problem is, how do you go and then you start implementing and you start working on it on the daily routine? Because at the beginning, you can't devote yourself full time for that. So you need to find room for it. And then you need consistency and you need perseverance and you need just to grind through it. And this is when 99% of those ideas fall. It's not about being good or bad or not even about competition. It's about doing the never-ending slow process, especially at the beginning. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. We firmly believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is Family Finance with our guest, Benny Natchman. Benny is a father of two boys, a serial entrepreneur with a proven track record in building a global bank with over $7 billion in annual revenue. He recently founded Jazby, which we'll be talking about today, the mobile wallet for the family with a mission of helping parents teach kids about money. Now, Benny, I'm going to say a lot more about you, but I want you to tell everyone about you. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, Dan. Thank you for having me, and thank you for saying kind words about me. That's, that's always refreshing and surprising at the same time. There's a lot to say here, Benny. So um, let's start with your story. How, what was your road to becoming an entrepreneur and one in finance and all that you have accomplished? Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I once, there's a quote that I love. I, I once read uh, an interview. I think I, I'm going to say the name uh, wrong probably, but uh, uh, the former president of France, and I think his name is pronounced Francois Hollande. And I once saw an interview, and he said that his career was one uh, never-ending series of mistakes. Hmm. And, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure that I exactly planned it. Um, I was born and raised in Israel. You can probably still hear it from my accent. I'm here for about 15 years, something like that, followed my wife. Um, I'm an attorney by profession. I always tell people, don't hold it against me. <laughs> I haven't practiced in many years. Mm -hmm. But I think in my in my heart, and, and this is probably since childhood, I'm always, like I'm an entrepreneur, I want to build things. I want to start things. I want to, uh, you know, I want to build companies, businesses, even before probably that I could maybe articulate it exactly that way. So, Jazby is my third company. I had my first real business was uh, when I was in, in law school, so still a kid, and 
um, a few friends and myself, we, we started a company that was aimed at helping uh, students prepare for GMAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I finished law school. I went into practice, which at the time I was debating, do I really want to do? And I, you know, in retrospect, I think it was one of the best choices that I've made because those few years that I've practiced told me and taught me a lot about life, business, how to do business. And part of my practice was around uh, the office that I worked for was around uh, uh, banking, more more ancillary. So um, I I did some, I don't know, credit card processing um, agreements and anti-fraud software. It was always around high tech and a little bit of this was around fintech, although in the time it wasn't really even called fintech. And then then I joined, you know, there's a fine line, I think, between a commercial attorney and a business development person. Mm-hmm. Um, so at early 2000, I joined the uh, 2000s. I joined um, another, a, a small company or medium sized company that was a payment service provider as a business development person. We sold that company in 2006. And at that point I'm in, a, in an interesting point of my life. So I'm already here in the U S and, live in the Silicon Valley. We just talked about a few minutes before we started. Mm-hmm. And I, I lived in uh, Santa Clara for a while. And, um, you know, my wife, who is the real brains in the family, is, uh, mm-hmm. is a computer engineer. And uh, she worked uh, for some chip developer. And, you know, and, and I was, that's why I came to the U.S. I followed her. And uh, so we sold the company and I was basically sitting home and my wife going to work every day and I was kind of unemployed and I didn't want to know what to do with myself. And I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like going back to being uh, an attorney. And I, I don't know, you know, so almost, I think as a kind of a joke, one evening I told my wife that I'm going to start a bank because my, my job before the company that I, that we sold, my job was to manage the relationship between us and the, acquiring banks that we work with and at the time again this is starting early 2000s into the mid 2000s um, e-commerce started rolling back and what i saw is that how the legacy banks are very good at physical point of sale processing of cards and other services so very local but when it came to online to the internet and especially international um, they were less you know swimming well in the waters if, if you will Mm-hmm. So I had a very basic idea of starting some online processing company uh, to do just that, you know, online transactions that are especially are cross-border, meaning one merchant sits in, in one country and the buyer sits in another country. Um, those transactions are a little bit more complicated. So, you know, I told my wife, I'm going to start this kind of company and maybe I'm going to start a bank. Um, and, you know, again, I was bored and I started doing it. And the more I walked on it, the more I fell in love with it and the more Kool-Aid I drank, you know, because once you mm-hmm. are, right, it's like it's human nature, right? You you start getting absorbed more and more and believing more and more. And this was the start of my second company, which again was in 2007. It's called Credorox. Um, Credorox uh, is a global acquiring bank and processor. I was the CEO until 2016. We then bought a professional, quote-unquote, CEO to run the business. It became very large and very operational. I'm the chairman of the board of Credorax. I'm still a large shareholder. And 
Cardox today has uh, bank licenses in, I want to say, 28 countries, maybe 29. Wow. I never remember exactly. Uh, something along these lines. Uh, we process for thousands of merchants, billions of dollars uh, a year. Companies profitable. And uh, yeah, so I, I've been, you know, engaged in fintech, if you will, for a lengthy period of time now, well over 15 years, um, maybe closer to 20 years. And, you know, and that's my thing. So in 2016, I stepped back, as I said, from the day to day. I took a year off. I did some consulting with local. Uh, I live in Massachusetts now, so I, I, I did some consulting work here in New England for a few banks and a couple of universities. And, and in 2017, towards the end of, I, I started uh, Jaspi. So, you know, that's, that's all the way up to Jaspi. And we're going to talk about Jaspi. But before we talk about Jaspi, my, my first question is, what did your wife say when you said, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a bank? So, uh, she's used to me and my... <laughs> in your ways and <laughs> my wild uh my wild statements um and i have to say so it's it's you know i'm, I'm super fortunate and that in in two ways well a lot more than two ways but but you know with, with this regard is one that i think for at, at the beginning of my career i never had the the worry or the burden of being a sole provider so i can always do my adventures and know that even if they go wrong, you know, at the beginning it was just my wife and I, and then we, we, we had you know, our first kid and then the second, but I always knew that there would be, you know, food in the house. So the, it, those, it's very stressful to start a business or a company, but the fact that I wasn't the only, you know, breadwinner, yeah, yeah. Um, it goes a long, long way. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you even more than that. Um, we were both, so when I started Credorox, I did it, I was so naive and so stupid. And I always tell people, had I known then what I know now about banking and about fintech, I would never have done it, never, not not in a million years. Huh. And you're not, not knowing, ignorance sometimes is really helpful mm-hmm. because you don't right. know what you don't know. And right. then you start without realizing how difficult it is, and and you just roll with it. So I, sometimes I think back on what I did in in two thousand seven until let's say two thousand ten, and um, it, it's amazing to me. And you know something else? When people that were smarter than me told me how difficult that 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 old journey is going to be, and how difficult it is to get bank licenses and all of those things, I didn't believe them. I thought right. they're just like, you know, they're old. They don't know what they're talking about. They're stupid. I know better than them. Right. And right. it wasn't, it obviously wasn't true. But again, youth and, and ignorance, they, they have their virtues. Uh, well, so not only my wife was on board with it, but think about it. I've just, we sold a company before. We had a little bit of money. And instead of uh, yelling at me that we need to put all this money into buying a house, uh, she was completely okay with me putting all of this into this crazy startup of, of starting a bank. And, you know, so yeah. she's like crazy yeah. like that together with me. Well, and wonderful to have such a supportive partner and yeah. also, um, you know, just highlighting the fortune of 
not having to be worry about um, your family's going to be homeless if this thing doesn't work, right? So yes. like that safety net, um, that's really helpful to say the least. And the other thing, yes. um, because I know in our audience, our listeners, there's a lot of um, children who are future um, budding entrepreneurs. And I and so as you are a serial entrepreneur, you know that that mentality of you know they don't know what they're talking about. It can't be that hard. I have to say, from my experience of entrepreneurship and also um, many that I've known, it's not uncommon for the entrepreneur to be, I'll show them. It, it, it can't be as hard as they're saying. Like, isn't that a key, you know, even in hindsight, if it looks a little dumb, isn't that a key attribute, though, of those that push the limits to create and innovate? A hundred percent. So, you know, again, I, I think about this today and... Um, so I'm lucky because it worked. Mm -hmm. So I can sit and laugh and say about myself that I was stupid. It's true, but it was always like that. So I can tell you that I think one of the reasons, one of the motivators that pushed me into going into business after I was an attorney for a few years, if I'm honest with myself, I would never have admitted at the time. But I think today, again, when I look back, even that before I started Credorax was as a young attorney, I was looking at some of the clients that I represented and I was thinking to myself, well, I can do that better. Oh, well, if he can do that, I can probably build something much, much bigger, you know? So this belief that everybody else doesn't know what, you're, what they're talking about, even if they're experts and you know better than them and you're going to show them and the more they tell you that the more you think, no, no, it's not like that. I'll, I'll, I demonstrate how it should be done. So there is mm -hmm. there's a, a, a big part of it of like a show off or like this unreasonable belief in yourself and uh, but but then you need a little bit of luck or a lot of luck and and, and a little bit of you know actually go and do things mm -hmm. and not give mm -hmm. up in the middle mm -hmm. because at a certain point it hits you that they were right and it is really hard right. and all of those things that you thought they're gonna just walk they don't. And yeah. the trick then is not to give up. Yes. And when we think of parenting and we think of our kids who are um, idea generators, you know, and especially when the kids are young and, and, and they don't see limits. And then, of course, as they grow up and we as parents inadvertently and society kind of shows limits to our kids. So I, I, I'm thinking of a story here that's leading to a question for you. And, uh, Having um, one child in particular um, of mine is highly creative, uh, very entrepreneurial, and he had so many ideas growing up and um, ideas for his businesses and how he was going to make um, his, um, his uh, lemonade stand uh, business more efficient um, and, how, and, and build this machine and the squeezer. And all of these ideas would come up against eventually reality of what it would take to prototype a, a, a juicing machine. And actually that juicing machine does exist pretty much for $10,000 in the restaurant business. And, and, and I remember trying to lead him as much as go with it, go with it, go with it, go with it until we would hit some reality point. And then it would be crushing when I delivered certain information or pulled something up on the internet. And I always questioned like, gosh, did, did I do the right thing there? Could, could I have kept this thing going longer? You know, like with this entrepreneurial and creative spirit. And I'm just wondering, as a father yourself and as someone who is like this, how do you 
how do you support this entrepreneurial and creative spirit while also managing the reality and limitations of certain you know ideas that's a wonderful question um so i'll tell you something i, I have two boys and one of the things that we always talk about um i always tell them and i and i really believe it is that uh the uh, secret to being an entrepreneur is not the idea. Everybody has ideas. And there are probably tens of thousands of good ideas, what do you mean, millions of good ideas every day by millions of people. And that's not the problem. The problem is not the idea. The problem is how do you go and then you start implementing and you start working on it on the daily routine. And at the beginning, it needs to be because at the beginning, you can't devote yourself full-time for that, either because you have another job or if you're a kid because you go to school and you have homework and you have other things to do. So you need to find room for it, and then you need consistency and you need perseverance and you need just to grind through it. And this is when 99% of those ideas fall. It's not about being good or bad or not even about competition. It's about doing the never-ending slow process, especially at the beginning. So mm-hmm. I always encourage them to go and actually do the walk, right? And I don't care so much, by the way, if there is something like that or not. Or So, for example, a, a year ago, something like that, I think, you, you know, before Corona, so I think Corona warped our time, at least for me, uh, perception. So now it's difficult for me to remember if it was a year ago or two years ago. This year seems very long. For sure. Um, so the, the, my sons were relatively close in age, uh, so they do a lot of things together and, and you know play together and all of those things. They came up with an idea for a video game. It was actually very cool. And, um, and I told him, okay, so now do the walk. Start writing down the rules. Find a friend that can, um, you know, is a good uh, illustrator and, and have him draw a few pictures um, of, of what the characters would, you know, do the walk. And it doesn't really matter if there are games like that or not, because so what? So do it better. So do it cheaper. So do it faster. Uh, when I started Credorox to do an online processing, there are hundreds of banks in the world that do online processing. So what? My platform was better. So it, it, I'm not saying what I told them, and, and they're still working on it, is just do the walk. And the walk is what usually is where people drop off. And, and then hit the first obstacle. And I think, again, the trick is you continue. So, you know, you go raise money. The vast majority of the times that you're going to go talk to investors, you're going to hear no, like almost always. Yep. Right? So, again, the, at least for me, what I always tell people is that it's a funnel, right? So you go to 100 meetings. In 70 of them, it's a no immediately, like, some of them would tell you, well, they're, they're being polite. They won't say it like that. But, you know, they'll tell you politely that that's a stupid idea and that's not for them. And here's the door. Can you leave? And there is something in it. So, you know, again, when I was walking out of those meetings, I would shrug and say, those old idiots, they're stupid. They don't even understand what I told them. I know so much better. It wasn't true, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you believe it. And then you go to the other 30. 
out of those 30, they listen to you, half of them will still say no, even if they think it's a good idea because it's not a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of this, so I won't drag it on, you're left with one, but one is all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the doing it again and again and again and not giving up even when it's hard. That's, that's the difficult part. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's the message, right? That's the message to our kids is the tenacity, perseverance. the perseverance, right? Yes. The perseverance. And, and the other thing you said, which is another, um, you know, an entrepreneurial, um, mandate is to totally believe in oneself and one's idea and product, right? Like that, whether everyone else thinks it's ridiculous, uh, whether we can, you know, go to the moon or build underground tunnels, like if that person believes it and has a plan and sticks with it, you're going to get somewhere. Yes. And I I tell you what would happen to me because it's not, again, it's easy to talk about it when it's now in the history. It's more difficult to go through the day-to-day and everybody goes through you know, difficult moments and crisis and, and all of those things. But I, I can tell you, I, I thought about it, you know, a while back in, in, in another connotation, but I remember myself there were a few times where, you know, it seems like money is going to run out or I got a big uh, setback with one of the regulators in the beginning, in the beginning of our quest for the first bank license. And I remember myself going home uh, very depressed uh, you know, spending an evening with my head down, looking at the floor. But then I would wake up in the morning and it was like like a phoenix, you know. I said to myself, I remember having conversations with myself in my head, which I do all the time, and saying, you know, oh, forget about it. This guy is just stupid. doesn't matter. Here's how it's going to work. And, and I went and did all of this again. Get up, do it again. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, and that's on a sidebar, the power of rest and a good night's sleep is essential yes. to any yes. uh, innovation and creativity. Evening is always when it looks, evening at night is when it looks the walls. Right, right. So never, it's, it's, never make yeah. decisions at night, never, only in the morning after, after you ate. Yes. So let's transition to Jasby and um, family. And as your as your as your world started to transition to family, um, you know, tell us about this where the where Jasby came from, and uh, of course what it has become. So Jasby came from a combination of my own experience, you know, raising two boys, and and you know, my my kids were born into me starting Credoac. Uh, so my first. Son was born in uh, the end of 2008, so it's about six months or so, or, I don't know, a year after I started um, Credoax. And so they grew up with me kind of running a small bank. And, and then, then, you know, they started going into school. And that, that whole experience has showed me a few uh, things. So one, uh, you know, is running a bank and especially a bank that's very specialized around um, credit cards and debit cards. Cause we don't do regular banking. You can't walk into, there's no credit card branch. You can't open an account. We don't deal with individuals at all. It's only corporations. It's only credit card processing or payments processing in general, FX, those kinds of very specialty things. So, you know, when we were moving to Massachusetts and got to know, you know, our new neighbors and your community and school and all of this, and people always, ask you, you know, what do you do? And it's, it's complicated to explain. 
uh, especially because people don't want to, you know, hear all the, those those boring regulatory details. So I, I I started saying some things like, you know, hey, I, I work for a company that processes credit cards, and it's it's fascinating how people are so curious about credit cards, and everybody always have um, a question about it, or they want to tell you a story about it. So. Through this, I got, I think, some very interesting insight to what people at large think about money, about banks, about cards, about how they perceive all of those things, what they understand about them. And as my kids started, so that's maybe more on a philosophical level, but as my kids started going to the school system, I noticed a few things. So one, you know, they reach an age when they ask for allowance, and I was trying to. So I, I did a deal with them. I think when my first one was at first grade, that I'm going to give them. Uh, I think it was three dollars a week every Sunday. And what would happen is that at the time I would travel a lot, so half the time I don't know I wasn't there, or I would just forget even if I was home. I was tired and jet lagged, and the half the times that I did remember, I didn't have three dollars, and especially not three dollars twice. You know. Right. Um, so it became a nuisance. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, where do I get $3 now? And, and then I, I also noticed that, so it, 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 it was really difficult and it was difficult for them to use it because once, uh, once in a while I would just pay them up for all the weeks that I forgot. But then when they needed to use the money, how would they actually use it? Most of what they want is some video game on the iPad. So it didn't work. And I started thinking to myself that, I'm supposed to be this expert and relatively well off and I have credit cards and bank accounts and all of this and it's so difficult that it must be difficult for everyone. And then as they grew older, I noticed that, you know, school, nobody talks about money in school at all, at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I started doing some research and I found out that in 41, I'm speaking for memory, so I hope I get the numbers right, but somewhere around that, 41 out of our 50 states have absolutely no program about money or financial literacy at school, literacy at school, not at all. Uh-huh. And the nine that do, it's super limited. So it's almost like they don't. Um, and it's interesting. So we don't talk to our kids about money at home. The vast majority of households just don't. And we never talk to them about this at school. So we're raising, and this is not a new phenomenon. This is going on for 15, maybe 20 years. So we're raising generation after generation of kids who graduate, who go into college and can't calculate APR, don't know what cumulative interest is, don't understand why it's not a good idea, you know, only to pay your minimum payments on your credit card. And it's not their fault. We've never talked to them about it. And I've read somewhere, which I thought was funny, uh, so it's not my idea, I'm just repeating it, that somebody said that in, um, you know, in, in Victorian times, uh, sex was a taboo, and nobody talked about it ever at all. In our times, money is a taboo. We talk about sex all the time, everywhere, including in school, but we never talk about money. Huh. So it's like it switched, you know? So, so money is something that you apparently uh, don't talk about, and it's so essential to everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So all of those things, so the part of it is the philosophy and part of it is me not being able to give my kids allowance and the kids not being able to actually use the allowance once I remember to give it to them, brought me to Jasby. And what we do at Jasby is that we, you know, in a sentence, Jasby is the way for families to move money. 
we connect kids and teens. So kids is, is anywhere, I don't know, eight, let's say seven, eight, third grade to 18, 25, whatever, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so up until teenagers and, and also young adults. So it's we connect kids and teens, parents, and also we, we also started uh, grandparents. And the idea is that the adults, parents and grandparents, they give money to the kids. They give money in a digital form. So, you know, our kids today live, their life is digital, right? It's the tablet, it's the phone completely. Mm -hmm. And so the money goes immediate. It's easy. You never forget. If you forget, you can set up automatic allowance. You can do chores. You can reward for academic results. You know, you do what works for your family. It doesn't matter. Some people, I know some of our users, when, when I talk to them, tell me that in their family, it's a weekly or monthly allowance and then chores and everything else is expected because you live here. Some do the opposite. They don't do allowance, but they do chores and, and other things. Some do some sort of, what I do, by the way, some sort of middle ground. I give them allowance and then normal chores like feeding the dogs are expected. But if it's something very unusual, like, I don't know, a spring garage cleanup, uh, then I'll give them some more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like an extra mm-hmm. regular chore. And then the kids can do three things with the with the with the money. They can save, they can do good. We work with a list of uh, nationwide charities, mm. and the third thing they can do is spend. And the spend they can spend in our Jasby shop, which is in app, and they can also sign up for the Jasby debit card or virtual debit card, and then they can spend online or anywhere that that Apple Pay is accepted. Hmm. And throughout all of those things, they also learn financial literacy without even understanding that they're learning it. They learn through experiences. They learn through doing. Hmm. So you basically brought your online banking experience to the family with interfacing with everything one needs to interface with. Yes. Without Hmm. ever calling it a bank and without ever talking about financial literacy, but it's super embedded within Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so because this is so much more, I'm gonna say some, you know, some apps that many people know of, like Venmo, you know, where people are transitioning money. And so this is beyond Venmo because there's so much more built into your platform. Yes. Venmo is very peer-to-peer, right? So Venmo is me giving money to you. And I, I know I'm they're super a super company. I don't mean to disrespect in any way that's not what i mean and i know they can also let you pay but the essence of what they do is Mm peer-to-peer we also do peer-to-peer but it's meant it's meant again within the family unit so it's very familial and it's meant for the most of the usage is for the kids and teens and it can be used again to save money and to teach about Mm -hmm. savings it's meant for them to do good it's meant for them to manage a small budget and plan a small budget. And it's meant for them to understand early how money works. But it also is meant to just make it easy for the family. You know, again, as a parent, mm-hmm. I know how frustrating it can be. I just forget about all the philosophy and all the high words. I just want to give him $5, man. <laughs> yeah. And the kid wants the $5. And he wants to just be able to buy a something you know for three dollars on, uh, on the app store so it's it's some sometimes it's just like the like the small things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right right 
And um, just an example, the other day, um, one of my kids was needing some money for gas and was out eating money from gas. And I was, my app wasn't working or wasn't set up. And my wife was in a meeting and it was like all that it went, this whole thing happened when it, we, as a result, you know, it could have gone much simpler. And of course, now I know about Jazby, right? Like there's, there's simple ways to, uh, to live now. How, uh, how, uh, Technology. I mean, what I like what I like about what you're saying is there is the practical aspects um, of the app and everyday living, and then there's also the philosophy behind it. And and speaking of philosophy, so you know, raising financially smart kids. I think you've started to tell us the the ingredients which you believe is necessary to raise financially um, smart kids. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think. So it's a few things. One, just have the conversation. So more and more I learn, again, we don't talk about it. Not in school, forget about school. In, in our family, it's something that we control. And still, vast majority of households, there is no to very limited conversations about money. And I always, I don't know exactly why I, I have some assumptions and I have some things that people tell me. And oftentimes it, it goes like into two reasons. One is that people feel, so they feel two things. One, they feel they are, they don't know enough and they don't have the confidence that they can explain what interest is or what APR is and how exactly it works. And the second point is that they feel that they don't necessarily live up to the expectations. So, if I don't save enough or at all for my salary, who am I to tell my kids to save? Because I don't do it, right? And so it's, I think it's a mostly it's kind of a combination of one of those things and maybe other. Maybe they just have time. Maybe it's general embarrassment. And people are afraid of money. People are afraid of banks. Um, I read, there was a poll, it's not new, it's from a few years ago where they interviewed millennials and I don't know, 70% or some ridiculous percentage like that said that they would prefer to go to the dentist or have a dentist appointment than go to the <laughs> bank. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we have this, we have this uh, intimidation factor mm -hmm. when it comes to money and, and, and banks, so maybe that's a, a part of it. So if you use Jasby, it gives you a way into this conversation and it doesn't have to be sophisticated and you're not expected to be some... Uh, college professor of economics or you're not supposed to be Warren Buffett, it doesn't matter. In the vast majority of cases, you know more than your 10-year-old about money. And all they need is the basics. Okay? Right. right. Then, if, if I want to tell you the number one important thing or two or three important things, um, saving, teach about savings. If, if you want to be financially successful or, or more than average successful or whatever you want to call it, Savings is such a fundamental aspect of all of this. Second is is planning, budgeting. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't you don't have to follow it. It's okay to make mistakes. And even if you at the end of the day exceed your budget or make mistakes with the budget, the fact that you budgeted and you thought about this, right? So you know, I again, Credox now is is a much bigger company, but. Uh, through the history and now with Jasmine, which is still a startup, um, startups ex exceed or, or, or break their budgets all the time. It's, it's a normal occurrence. Mm -hmm. But your 
So imagine if, if I would go to my board and say, you know, last year we exceeded the budget, so I'm not going to plan a budget next year. It's ridiculous, right? Nobody's ever going to say it, right? It's, it's stupid. Of course you're going to budget. And then if there are mistakes or if in a certain quarter you need to do more, then okay. But at least you know what the baseline was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel, so this is so essential. It's okay if your kid, obviously your kid is not a publicly traded company. It's okay if he exceeds the budget, makes mistakes, loses, whatever. But if he goes through some very basic process, thinking about budgeting, it helps a lot. And, it, and again, it, it, it makes them be more successful um, as they grow. And there's tons of data that, that proves this, by the way. It's not just me talking. There's tons of data that shows this. And the third thing I would say, one more thing, I know I'm long-winded. Yeah, yeah, is, no, go ahead. Is give back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, again, at least for me, you know, I come from very humble beginnings. My father passed away when I was young, when I was a kid, and my mom was a homemaker that never woke. And I grew up not far from poor, if not poor. And I, you know, when my kids were born and were so lucky to be able to give them so much more, but one of the things that I was worried about is they don't grow up to be, you know, to become assholes. Right. So, so give back is so important. So it's, Saving, give back, budgeting. Mm-hmm. That's there's the formula: saving, yes. give back, um, and budgeting. And and if there is a fourth, I, I think the other thing you said is teaching the basics. Yes, right. And it's for a lot of parents who don't, you know, who aren't in the financial industry, in the banking industry, it fe- it could feel overwhelming. How am I going to explain this to my kids? And um, on the one hand, for it's it's important because this this show is all about awareness. Is first of all to think back folks about what you learned or did not learn um, about money when you were young and what, a, what you would have liked to have learned or, and how you maybe stumbled upon it um, in more difficult lessons and maybe uh, could have been avoided. But it really is, is, as you're talking about, Benny, it's the basics like compounding interest, APR, saving. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, we don't have to make it rocket science for it to be really impactful. You know, there is a story that I've told before, which I really love. Even it doesn't even have to be that, you know. Um, my son last year, I think, really wanted uh, Apple AirPods, and those like are expensive things. Even if they're not, I think he bought not the newest one, but it's still like I don't know, hundred and fifty dollars, something like that, I think. And he was saving for a long time. He really wanted it, and he wanted to buy it himself. So after I don't know how long he was saving, and we helped him with the last twenty, thirty dollars, and it, the day came when he had enough. So he wanted to go and, and buy it. By the way, until today, this is his most cherished possession because he bought it himself. It wasn't mm-hmm. a gift. wasn't something he, he walked for it. So, But that's not the story. The story is that, you know, when you buy electronics, oftentimes you get this pop-up if you want to pay additional amount. I don't know how much. Then they, they give you like a, a accident insurance if you break them, if you lose them, if this, whatever. So he, he never heard of this. And he had enough money just to buy the things. And then when... It, the, the message came, do you want to pay another $20 to, I don't remember what they call it, but it's like an insurance, right? They don't call it insurance. Yeah, right, right. So he didn't know what to do. So he came to me and said, uh, Dad, look, so we spent three minutes talking about, um, you know, where are you going to use this at home or are you going to take it out to school or are you going to use it when you go to visit your friends? Uh, what's going to happen if you lose it? How devastated would you be or would you be okay with it if you need to pay a little bit more to get one of them back or something like that? 
really a, a couple of minutes maybe. And then I, I also told him, you know, man, it's like what you're buying here really is insurance. And you know when we drive our car, we insure the car, right? And here's why. Because what happens if the car gets stolen? Then we don't want to need to buy a new one. The, the risk is too big. We insure our house, right, for exactly the same reason. So with those three minutes and this one example about the car, he now understands insurance. At least basic. Again, he's 12. It, doesn't, it needs to be a PhD. But if you ask him today, he still remembers it. You know why he remembers? Because it wasn't a boring lecture of me telling him, okay, son, today we're going to talk about insurance. It was something that he really wanted, that he really needed, a decision that he needed to make relevant to his life. Now he knows what insurance is. Mm-hmm. And and that's a great example of of taking something in the moment and teaching a larger concept. And we know with our kids tend to pay more attention when something is relevant to them and is meaningful than when we just sit and talk about some uh, just some concept that's out there that we need them to know when they're when they're older and they hear like wah 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 wah. So uh, thank you for that story because it is um, it, it just shows how how the there there's so many teachable moments that our kids bring to us and uh, how we need to be mindful in those moments and purposeful about the lesson and the communication that we want to deliver. Okay, Benny. Parent footprint moment time. <clears throat> Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a person or as a parent and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. So, you know, you, you said this to me that you're going to ask this question and now for 40 minutes and 41 seconds I've been thinking about it because <laughs> it's a difficult question. Um, um, you know, I think, so I have two things and I need to choose between them. I, I think when I was, uh, especially at Credo Oxford, especially at the beginning, I used to travel like a crazy person. And at the time, we lived again in California. We lived in Santa Clara. And, um, and a lot of the business, all the licenses and the visa membership, uh, we had to do with uh, visa headquarters in London. So I was traveling a lot. And San Francisco, London is like a 10-hour flight and so maybe more and 10-hour time difference. So it's difficult. You know, your, your like time zones are completely the opposite. And uh, so I would go on the road on Monday morning and come back on Thursday evening or Friday or things like that. Um, and when my kids were very, very young, so, you know, I think especially uh, for, for fathers, and, you know, I hope your audience don't, don't get mad at me, um, I think it takes a little bit longer to get really attached when the kids, when, the, when, the, when they're babies, when the newborns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... And one of the things, and I don't remember exactly the year, and I don't remember exactly how old um, he was, but with my first one, there was a point where he was not, I think he was not yet standing, so he was still a very, very young baby. But I came back home uh, again one evening, probably on Thursday or Friday, after being away for a, for a week, and... When I, when I got to, to his room, he was beyond himself to see me. 
and he, you know, he reached out, he wanted me to hold him, and I think for an hour or something like that, like, he, he, he didn't let go. Mm. And it wasn't, I'm, I can't tell you that before it wasn't like that, it's not like I didn't love him before, of course I did, but maybe not the same way, I don't know if I'm making sense to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so something like that, like the understanding all of a sudden that uh, the baby is, um, it's not just a baby, it's not just your responsibility, but there's like a real person there that mm. misses you or when you're away, there is a toll that he pays, even if he can't explain it or even know it because he was so young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I imagine that made it harder to leave the next time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you travel a yeah. lot, and now thankfully, uh, Jasby is very, very U.S. based. It's a lot less international. So mm-hmm. um, I have to travel. Well, this year I haven't almost traveled at all since since February. Now I miss it. I never mm-hmm. believed that I will miss it, but right. but now I right. do. I want to go back. Uh, but yes, but when you travel a lot, and in the Credorox days, I used to travel almost on a weekly basis. It's uh, it's very difficult. And then the day yeah. before you travel, you start getting yeah. depressed because you need to travel. Yeah. Yeah, I have a. You're triggering a similar experience. There was a time uh, when I was traveling, um, not as much, not nearly as much as you, but more than I wanted to. Um, and we were away at a family uh, at our family's house, a couple three hours away. And I needed to leave on early on a Sunday to go catch a flight when everyone else was staying. I believe for another day or so. And my son, who was young at the time, I remember I went to kiss him and hug him goodbye, and he was playing with his cousin, and he looked up to me, and he said, Dad, where are you going? And I told him where I was going, and he, I'll never forget this, he said, you're leaving again? And it just crushed me. And the whole drive, I had a like three-hour drive to the airport, and then the flight, and the whole time I was, it just made me, really made me think about, you know, being mindful about these decisions and these travel because um, I guess we matter more than sometimes we think. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially again, when you have kids and you, you know, so when they're super young with their babies, maybe they don't care. And then at a certain point they care a lot. And then, and then I think we were probably my kids are now starting to be where it's like, okay, see you, man. See you, see you when you get back that. Right, 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 right. It changes. It totally changes. Not the not the feeling, not the connection, but the uh, the the face to face. Of course. Um, yeah, Benny, tell us, tell everyone where um, they can get Jazby. Anything they need to know about downloading, signing up. Okay, so um, you can go to jazby.com. It's j a s s b y dot com. Sign up for the debit card. Um, and, and download the app and, and use it. So two things maybe I'll tell you. One, the service is completely free. We don't charge you anything to use the app, to use the debit card, to sign up for the debit card. Uh, so go go and give it a try. The second thing I will tell you is that uh, our service, because it's a financial service and it's regulated and we work in partnership with MasterCard and with, with a couple of banks, then when you sign up, 
it's not, you don't sign up for a video game. It takes a few minutes. We need to verify your identity. We need to make sure that all the, you know, that all the regulatory restrictions and regulations that we abide by them. So we've developed this really cool bot that guides you through the process. Depends on how many family members you sign up. So one, two, three kids, your wife, no, um, grandparents, right? So it can take from two minutes to sign one parent and one kid to four minutes to sign, I don't know, three, four, five family members. Uh, but it's really painless. So go ahead and give it a try. The debit cards are brand new, by the way. So you can go right now. They're live. They're, I'm super excited. I use mine all the time. So by the way, when you sign up, uh, you can get your kids' debit cards, but you can also get yourself. And I, I got one myself. I put it on my uh, on my Apple Wallet or Apple Pay. Um, I use it all the time now. That's like my default. It's It's really cool. That's really cool, and congratulations. Um, you know, you, you talk about it with ease, but we we know that the uh, starting the startup and from uh, from start to uh, to now is is a big a big deal. So congratulations. Thank you. All right, everyone, that is our show. Family finance with our esteemed guest Benny Natchman, and Benny, thank you for just being um, so. Uh, just genuine, authentic, and sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Everybody, you know what to do. Check us out, www.parentfootprint.com. Subscribe to the show. Tell others about it. Join us in the mission of making the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. Be the person you want your child to become. Be kind to yourself. And as always, ask yourself, the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?